Hi, and welcome to Connected Conversations for Creatives, a place where creatives like you can learn, grow, and connect. I'm your host, Jennifer Carr. Sometimes as a creative person, it's very easy to feel inadequate when we find ourselves putting down one project just to pick up another that has nothing to do with the first. For example, I started writing a book a couple of years ago, and then a year later, I decided, let's add podcasting to the repertoire. At first, I felt guilty for focusing less on my writing and more on interviewing other writers and creatives. After a while, however, I realized something, and if you felt the same way I have, it may be just as true for you. Having multiple creative outlets is like having a vast playground for your imagination. It's not about limiting yourself to just one form of expression. It's about embracing the freedom to explore a multitude of avenues, whether it's writing, painting, music, photography, or any other art form. Each one offers a unique canvas on which you can bring your ideas to life. The beauty of this is that when you engage in multiple creative outlets, they complement and enrich each other. For instance, your experiences in one form of art can inspire and inform your work in another. When the skills you develop in one creative discipline are applied to another, new possibilities open up and you expand the boundaries that might have been holding you back. Creativity is like a wellspring that never runs dry. So when you embrace multiple creative outlets, you're not limited to just one path of expression and you open the floodgates to an abundance of inspiration. Today's guest's passion for creativity knows no bounds, and he is here to share his insights on a wide range of topics, from navigating genre changes to making stories come alive on the page and the magic of exploring multiple creative outlets. Kyle Shoup is an author and musician who has not only combined two of his talents and passions to create art with a unique synergy, he's also tackled the challenge of writing across different genres for varied audiences, and it's my pleasure to welcome him to the show today. So welcome, Kyle. Thanks so much for having me, Jumper. I'm really excited. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, I am too. Absolutely. I'm really excited to kind of jump in and explore this because a lot of times as creatives, we we do find ourselves going, ooh, let me try what's new. But before we jump into that, kind of tell yeah. us about you and 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 your just you and your work. Yeah. So um, well, I, I think you nailed it. I uh, in terms of uh, my novels, I've uh, got eight novels out, uh, working on a ninth. And uh, they're divided into two different series. The first one is called the Ace of Bishop Trilogy. And that is like, it's a middle grade fantasy action adventure series. I kind of tell readers, if you like Percy Jackson, if you like Harry Potter, it's right down that alley. And it's a trilogy, so all the novels are done there. Um, and then the, the more recent series is what I call the Senses of Love series, where it's a compelling uh, set of five novels. They're standalone novels that are each built um, around a different human sense and telling a compelling love story through the lens of one of those human senses. So it's the sound of love, the sight of love, the taste of love, the touch of love, right? So each one has human sense. So yeah, those are my novels. That's awesome. And you also have a day job, right? Because, you know, do you, do you yeah. sit and write full time or... Yeah, no, I got a day job and I got a family. So there's a lot to balance there for sure. Like like yeah. most doctors probably. Um, but yeah, I'm an attorney as well. So okay. which which just give a little bit of background is actually when I started to write my first novel, um, which was Asa in the An Animal Kingdom. So it's that first novel in that that middle grade trilogy. After I finished taking the bar, I was so used to studying late at night, like till midnight that 
suddenly I was done with taking the bar and I have all these hours in the evening that I'm used to being productive. I didn't expect it to happen, but creativity is, is what filled that time for me. So anyway. That's pretty cool. How did you, how did you flip that switch from like something so, you know, analytical and logical uh, for yeah. studying the bar exam to a creative outlet? I think after having gone through law school and studying so hard to take the bar, I needed that creative outlet. Otherwise, I was going to go crazy, right? And in fact, actually, I remember my first when that first book, Asa in the Animal Kingdom, came out. Uh, my my uh, my boss at the time, the law firm I was working at, said something along lines of, "So, are you going to quit now that you got a book out?" And I go, "Are you kidding me? I need the yin to the yang. Like, without work, I won't." want to escape and without escape I won't have the ability to focus as much at work you know what I mean so I do know what you mean I know exactly what you mean which is you know kind of doing the podcast and and writing it's a nice little escape from you know I have to do all of this business stuff the editing and all of that it's a very different form of creativity but it's more serious than being able to get lost in my imagination for hours and so I totally get that yes I yeah. like that and For sure. Add, though, I love the way you, you phrase things at the beginning about it's not just uh, a discussion with authors, it's creatives. I yeah. love the fact you made that so much more broad because there's something to that subject that really intrigues me about how creatives tend not to just do it in one, you know, in one medium, like a painter only paints, right? We find other aspects to be creative within our life you know um and, and you're certainly doing that with with podcasting as well so yeah it's and, and I also think that um even the analytical fields um my husband is a computer guy but you know he's got that engineer mind but those are some creative people as well you know they they solve problems which is what creativity is it's solving a problem yes. it's answering questions you know whether yes. they're imaginary questions or they're real life questions you know we're answering questions and figuring out how things work and how things move um and so yeah I, I like talking to creatives I actually have um, an interview with a girl coming up she is utilizing um, video games for mental health stability like oh, improving mental health through video games yeah and yeah. I was like psychology is my background counseling is my background but I yeah. never I'm not a gamer so that never entered my mind that you could gamify mental health but she's doing it and I was like oh we're talking about that that's it's it's intriguing for sure see and finding a way to apply creativity is is, is an interesting subject as well I I I love being able to compel people or entertain people or whatever it is, you know, through novels, through music and, and works of art. But it's a, it's an interesting thought that there's other ways to use your creativity. Yes, problem solving is key, um, but then other, yeah, maybe ways that we wouldn't expect. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. It's, it is interesting. And just the way different people's brains work too, you know, like my brain is, it gets very stuck in, I have to be able to write, I have to be able to, that's my outlet. I never would have thought about, and, and research papers on psychology and counseling, yeah, give me that all day long, but let's add in video games, that is so relative and relevant, uh, relevant to today's world, easy for me to say. Um, 
it's, it's so relevant because I, we're seeing this uptick, and this is so off topic, but this uptick in kids with mental health struggles and they're battling things, but what else are they doing? They're playing video games. And so if you can put those two together, I'm like, yeah, you've solved a huge problem. You know, mm. that's, that's fantastic. So mm. for sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to the topic at hand. Um, I see behind you a whole wall full of guitars, and I know yeah. that you incorporated or are incorporating, is it for all of your new your new series or just the Sound of Love, which I picked up, and I'm only yeah. 85% of the way through, so don't tell us how it oh. ends. Um, <laughs> no, that's pretty um, good. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I like to get to know who I'm talking to, you know, especially if there's, I'm very intrigued when it comes to romance. And that's something we're going to talk about um, when you switch genres in a minute. But so you've got music going on. Is this, is music part of all of your novels or just this first one? What's going on? Okay, so if if you're pretty far through The Sound of Love, so I might do a little bit deeper dive than I normally would. Okay. Um, and I won't give away the end, even though everyone dies. I won't, I won't let you know that. Okay. Um, Perfect. So, I'm done. The end. <laughs> I've always wanted to write a novel, by the way, where like suddenly it's just the world explodes, the end, and you're like, this had nothing to do. This just, I, I won't do that. But I always thought it'd be funny to just like, ah, I don't know how to end this. And suddenly an asteroid came, and every, you know. But anyways, um, so the that that doesn't happen. I, I won't. I won't spoil the end. Okay, so um, that novel, if I could kind of start with what um, motivated The Sound of Love. Mm -hmm. um, I had just finished my Ace of Bishop trilogy, and I love that series so much. I actually just recently finished rereading it to one of my kids, and I just like, oh my gosh, I just forgot how much I love that series. Um, but there's a chapter there towards the end of the last book, which... Um, is more character driven than plot driven. And by that, I mean, when I'm writing middle grade fantasy, it's got the plot has got to keep moving. It's adventurous, entertaining. Um, but there was one chapter that was just so key to the whole series that was character driven that once I finished writing that last book in that series, that kind of lingered with me. And I was like, I want to write something that's that has that personal tie to it. I didn't immediately know it would be romance. Um, and I kind of took a year off after that series to just kind of recharge some batteries. And I was on a, a work business trip, uh, yeah, business trip up to Portland and coming back from eating dinner uh, one night and I was walking by Pioneer Square there in Portland, which if you've read, you know, it's set up there in Portland. So you can see there were some real things uh, that motivated that book from up in Portland. Um, and I actually had stopped. Um, there was a homeless guy on the street of Pioneer uh, Pioneer Square who, I, I grew up in Seattle. I'd seen a lot of homeless people. Um, and But this time he had a, a boy with him. And I don't know, that's the first time I've seen a, a guy with a, or with a homeless child, it was just him and a boy. Um, but it really stood out to me because the boy seemed about the age of my son at that time. Mm. And and so something compelled me, stopped him. It was a cold night. And I just remember thinking, you know, is the boy going to be okay type stuff? And so I talked with him and it wasn't a very long conversation. Uh, but one of the things I asked him was, 
you know, do you guys sleep out here every night? And he looked me in the eye and he goes, well, I try not to. And that's a line actually that made it into the book. Um, and what lingered with me as, as my conversation with him ended was we both ended up on the same street corner in two very different positions, right? Like our paths converged. What, what is his path? And not to say I, that this book is at all reflective of that. It's not, but it was a spark of something to, you know, two people from di very different backgrounds converging on the same street corner. And that ended up being uh, Charlotte and John. Uh, John is the main, he, he's the, the homeless guy that Charlotte finds. And, um, and that's the first couple chapters uh, right there. So, and then, you know, the story took over my imagination, filled some gaps, and it became, you know, a reconnecting after they knew each other growing up type story. So I didn't answer your question, did I? Because the question was about- No, but that's good. You gave us the background music. of the book. So let's talk yeah. about the, how did the music incorporate? Yeah. <laughs> music. So um, yes, I've been playing uh, guitar. I'm self-taught, which probably means I'm not very good. But anyways, um, since I was 18, that was something after high school I wanted to learn how to do. Um, I played in symphonies growing up, though, through my teenage years, I played trumpet. But anyways- so I had a musical background. So naturally, when I was like, what could John's background be? Um, musician was something that instantly came to me. And I started writing the story. I did not plan to actually have music. Um, and so for those that aren't familiar with The Sound of Love, uh, it what I ended up doing was having... Uh, actual songs that readers could listen to. You can go to Spotify, YouTube, wherever else. There's links in the ebook and everything. You can go to listen to my songs that I personally wrote and recorded. That was not planned at the beginning. Eventually it hit me. I was like, okay, John is a singer-songwriter. I need lyrics, right? Now, maybe I'm I'm lazy, but I was like, you know, it dawned on me. I've been writing and recording music for the last like 15 to 18 years, is there anything I got in my catalog I can use? And as I, this is what's really interesting to me because a lot of the songs from there, I had written like 10 plus years ago, 15 years ago. And as I went back and I looked at these songs that I had already, even though they were old, I was like, oh my gosh, the lyrics fit perfectly with the story. I've already been writing 15 years later. So yeah, I ended up using those. I did have to record a couple lines of lyrics, but otherwise they they fit in. So that is amazing. I love, I love music. Music is something that has always been a part of my life. I'm a musician. My whole family were all musicians. I think the only person in my family that's not a musician would be my mom. And God yeah. love her. She wants to so bad, but she enjoys music. So there's that, you know, it's like, but, but we are all musically inclined. Okay, in so what, what do you, how are you musically inclined? What do you? Um, I, I started, I don't, I wish I could play the piano better. I, I can read the music and I can 
tickle things out. But then I moved to clarinet and then French horn is my main instrument. And then um, trumpet is also one of my instruments. And so it was kind of a, if you handed it to me, I could play it. Um, the only things that I don't love are the trombone and the saxophone, which is funny because my husband plays saxophone and my brother-in-law played trombone. So we're good. We got those instruments covered. Um, my kid plays piano. So, you know, but music has always just been part yeah. of who we are. Um, and That's so okay. I... Yeah, it is cool. And I love when, you know, the, the, the paths converge because the book that I'm working on is one of the main characters. He he sets off to become a country music star. And so I was like, oh, he needs he needs music because I had heard a song and I was like, oh, that just made me think of the story. I started writing the story. And I was like, but he needs to write his own lyrics. And so I started writing my own lyrics to go with it. And so, but you can't really play country music on a French horn clarinet or trumpet. So <laughs> still figuring that one out, but <laughs> you know, there's a first for everything, Jennifer. So, you know, don't, don't go in with that mindset. You can find a way country French horn music. That's a new genre that if explodes, you would be the pioneer and a lot of people would remember you. I there think some... the French horn, cause I played trumpet and symphonies growing mm -hmm. up, which meant that I sat around doing nothing a lot because it's all strings and symphonies, but that's a whole different subject. I can never jump the French horn though, because it's different fingerings and using your hand. Left hand. Yes, yeah. it's so very different. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things to do is put my French horn mouthpiece in my trumpet and we just have a good old time with it. It's really fun. So, um, uh, but I played nerds. the, I know, I love it. I love it though, because I can say these things and not feel really awkward or out of place. Um, yeah. I did play, so I marched mellophone when I was in okay. high school. And so that was very similar to the trumpet. And so that's where I could pull the um, the switcheroo there if I wanted to. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's so cool. Taking me back so too. <laughs> oh yeah. Like those memories I'm going, whoo. I remember them like it was yesterday, but I can look in the mirror and tell you it was not yesterday. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feels like. um, going back a little bit, though, because you, you asked about how to take things off the page a little bit. Um, initially, my, my thought as well was, let's just use those lyrics. Mm. But really, it occurred to me now with ebooks, people, I, as soon as I found you can include hyperlinks in that, it was just a natural way. Now, I won't pretend that I'm the best musician. Quite frankly, doing music for me has always been more of a hobby, right? Um, that I'm not even comfortable sharing my music with other people. It is, I did put more of it on, on um, Spotify and other platforms, but um, I, it, the dis I made the decision. I want people to try and, yeah, leave the page and feel the emotion. And even though I'm not the best singer, the, you know, I hopefully people that give some of the songs a listen, they can get a sense for the emotion there. You know, cause I think you don't need to have the best voice um, or even the best written song or be the best guitarist to convey an emotion. And at the end of the day, all the books we write, um, people may not remember specific lines, but they remember the emotion, you know, and that's what I shoot for. Maybe there's a better way with my novels that I could rephrase something or explain something or describe something, a more interesting word to use or a smarter word to use or something. But if, if I can convey the emotion, that's my goal, right? And I know not every author has that. I know some authors will sit there and toil for how to phrase a sentence forever. And don't get me wrong. I've 
definitely been there and I'm sure you have too, Jennifer, but at the end of the day, I don't let it eat me because if it, if I can convey the emotion that that's my goal. And maybe that's just because of the genre for these books. I don't know. But. Yeah, it could be because, uh, you know, fantasy and adventure, you do feel something, um, but it's, it is definitely different than when your emotions are, are, are plucked, when those emotions are pulled from you, um, because all of a sudden you are now in that story. Um, you yeah. know, I've never, and maybe that's just, it's, I'm, and it could just be from reader to reader when like Harry Potter is one of my absolute favorite series. And when I read it, I'm entertained and I feel like I have friends from the book and that kind of thing, but I never want to put myself in any of the characters shoes. But when I read romance, when I read, you know, those emotional heart tugging books, um, I end up putting myself in the story. Like, how would I respond to this? How would I feel? You know, am I feeling what this, this character is feeling? So, and again, it could be reader to reader. It could just be how I am when it comes to reading. But um, I do think that, um, that if you can make somebody feel, they'll come back because they want to feel it again. Like, I mean, that's what addiction yeah. is, right? So we want people addicted to our writing. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it would. <laughs> So let's steer the conversation towards how do we get people addicted to our writing? No, I'm just kidding. That's, well, and I think I think when you when you start incorporating music and writing, this is yeah. so with this book, uh, it's called Fall When You're Ready, and it's based on the country song um, by Brantley Gilbert, Fall Into Me, where he says, fall when you're ready. And so it was just kind of a natural yeah. extension. So I sent it out to my beta readers um, a couple months ago. And I had one of them come back to me. She was like, because I have um, some of the original lyrics as like in between chapters, that kind of thing. And one of the girls was like, hey, you need to create a playlist to go with the book. And so I started going through and like my my 90s country repertoire is pretty, pretty massive um, because it's one of my favorite genres. And so I was like, here's a song for every chapter. And if you can pull people's because you're pulling at different emotions when you hear music and when you yeah. read writing. And so you put all that on there. It's gonna be like emotional overload. And so maybe that's how you get people addicted they're like oh I need more of that it's it's true I and and yeah I think it goes back to emotion not only draws readers in but for me more importantly because I always quite frankly when I write and I'm joking about it, and I know you are too but like I don't think about what the reader really is doing I care most about what the story is mm. right um and actually, even more than that, as I'm writing, if I'm not feeling something, how could I ever expect someone that I don't know to feel something as well? I can't tell you, in all my books in that series, uh, there are times where I'm laughing when things are happening, little jokes are made. There's moments where, yeah, I'm tearing up when certain things happen, and I'm so happy I'm doing that because, again, it goes back to if I can't, how can I ever expect a stranger to feel that? There's something interesting about the fact that The Sound of Love has music in it, which, by the way, is not the only book in that series that has music in it. Um, and I'll come back to that in a minute, if, if you're willing. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something about incorporating the music in there. So, um, you know, when you go to release a book, you use a certain platform to do that. It's the same thing with music and the analytics that I get from who's listening to that soundtrack for the, the sound of love actually gives me more detail than the analytics in 
the book release, right? So let me dive into, I'll, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit, right? Unless I'm doing something wrong, which is very possible I am, we can see the metrics for how many people read our novels, right? Which let's just out there. I don't know about you. I'm always humbled by. I don't release a book expecting anybody to ever read it besides hopefully my mom and my wife, <laughs> right? But that won't show up on the metrics. Anyways, I never expect anybody else to read it, right? And I'm just always so amazed and humbled that people pick them up. But you can't, I can't see where those readers at are located, okay? When I release music, I can see where those listeners are at. And so specific to The Sound of Love, it has that soundtrack of all of my songs that the character John wrote and played and all that, right? When people click on it, I can see where they're located. And I am always amazed at the global reach. I can see countries all over the world that I never would have expected people to find my novels about and to listen to the music, right? I I suspect the thing that draws people in is the emotion. People that don't know English or people in, you know, they know very limited English the, or those countries where English is not the predominant language are still listening to the, the music from that book. And I suspect it's based on emotion because that's the universal language. Yes. Right. Absolutely. That, and that's what I was going to say is like, what is the one thing that every culture has music? You know, what is the one, the yeah. one thing that kind of, you know, does it sound the same in every culture? No, but we all, no. all have music and we all know that it speaks to us in very similar ways. So yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's talk to me a little bit about the book you're reading. So you're, you've got it out for beta. Yeah, it's, um, and it is, it is with my, it's currently with my editor and she's doing her final edits. It comes out, okay. February is um, kind of the, February 1st is the, the release date on that one because I didn't want to, you know, it'll be ready before February, but November, December, like, unless it is a holiday themed book, it's yeah. really hard to release a book. And, you know, my first one came out in October and it was okay. Um, the other one, my second one came out in June did much better. Was it because it was the second book to the first? I don't know. Was it because it came out in June? I don't know. But over the summer, people have more time to read and that kind of thing. So I thought, I am not about to risk a holiday launch. There are so many things happening in November, December, and just you're always hit with stuff. So yeah. I decided February was a good time to launch a book. Yeah. 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 Give it a go. Well, good luck. The, yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, so you said it's fall when you're ready. Mm -hmm. So one of the I, I'm I'm just gonna guess just based on the title, okay. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. One character's ready and the other's not. <laughs> um, so it's it follows the story of childhood best friends. Okay. And you know, those relationships can get a little confusing. You know, you've been best friends all these years, and it's like, you know, should we, shouldn't we? I don't know. One falls yeah. first, but doesn't say anything. So, you know, there's there's a lot to go with it, but then life happens and so it can't always be sunshine and roses so choices have to be made and you know time passes and all that good stuff so yeah sort of sort of fall when you're ready but also um I just really like that song <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome so 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that because yeah, you you read in the sound of love, and they were childhood best friends that reconnected on that street corner, right? I love, I love, and childhood best friends kind of plays a big part in, in, in my love story. I met my husband when I was thirteen, and we were oh, best yeah. friends all growing up. And like, I mean, I introduced him to his first girlfriend. It wasn't me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so we we we've been through it, and uh, um, it was just he, he decided you can be real and open. Then you've known each other for. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, he decided the day we met that he was going to marry me. Like we met at a summer camp and he went home and told his mom that he was going to marry me. And I just kind of laughed and I was like, friend zone. <laughs> like, no, you're not. <laughs> and so he had to, he had to work his way out of the friend zone. He won ultimately, obviously, but, um, you know, it's, it is, it's a different relationship. And so when those emotions get in there and they get confusing and they get tangled. And so, um, yeah, the book, it just kind of follows how they untangled that. And, um, but then how life kind of gets in the way sometimes, because it does life, you have to, you have to make choices um, in all aspects of your life. And sometimes they're easy and sometimes they're hard. And so that's what we wrestled with in this book. Was, I want to go back to your love story, Jennifer. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, let's backtrack. Maybe there's a weird thing, especially coming from, you know, guy or something, but when I meet couples to, for the first time, sometimes I ask myself, what, what is your love story? I think that's such an intriguing thing that, mm -hmm. you know, there's all these love stories walking around out there, you know, that each probably think, well, maybe this is the romantic in me. It's <laughs> probably not true, but a lot of them think they have the best love story, right? And so I love hearing people's love stories. So I want to go back. So for you, was there a seminal moment or was it something <laughs> over time that warmed you up to, you are the one, right? Okay, so it's it's really funny. I mean, it's not hilarious funny, but um, we, again, best friends forever kind of thing. And um, I mean, we dated other people. He, he had two very long-term girlfriends and I just, I was a serial dater kind of thing. And um, I was just like, eh, uh, whatever. And he finally, I was, let's see, he had gone off to college and I had, I had gone to college, but I was living at home. And so we were several hours apart, that kind of thing. Well, my sister graduated high school and decided she was going to go to college where he was going. Um, because I mean, it, it's university of Alabama. I mean, why wouldn't you want to go there, but you know, you know we're <laughs> real tied. Um, and so he um, he had already gone up there. He'd been up there for two years. And my sister said, I'm going. And I said, hey, how about I move with you? I'll transfer. We'll be roommates, all that good stuff. And um, Rob had said, he, he, he wrote me this really long letter. And he said, I'm just going to tell you, you can't move here and and be a distraction from any potential relationship that might be my future, unless you plan to be that future. Um, and so basically he gave me an ultimatum. He was like, this is our friendship. This is where it either ends or it goes on forever. And I was like, holy crap. Like, you know, that was, it was bold. It was a very bold because he left this letter um, on my car while I was at work one day and I come out to it and he was just like, I, he just poured his heart into it. And I was like, wow, you know, I have to give up these, you know, 10 years of friendship almost. And, or I have to make this really big life choice. And, you know, what will I choose? And he said, but you can't talk to me for the next like three months. And I was like, oh. And so we went just cold turkey, no contact for three months, which was very unusual. 
Um, and at the end of those three months, my sister was gearing up to move and I said, I'm going with you. And that was in August. And I was engaged in December and married in March. Because you just knew, you knew him, right? I mean, it was not worth giving up that friendship because it was so much more, um, you know, I don't, I never, I didn't really see where the lines had blurred. I never really saw, I guess, you know, I never really understood that, oh, I'm actually, it was love and not just friends, you know, because there was a different feeling. I obviously had feelings for him that were different than any of my other friends, but it just didn't make sense to me. And so, um, but yeah, no, he gave an ultimatum and I said, I choose you. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah, me 20 years in March. Yeah, 20, 20 years. years in March. We're married Congrats. 20 years in March. Yep. Congrats. So it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's right. fun. It's I like it. I think it's a good story. People they people get caught caught up on, you know, we were 13 and he knew. They get stuck on that. And I'm like, you don't understand. Oh. Like I made a choice. It was a split second decision, and that's where we went. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing. It's funny. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, so clearly you're a romantic. What's your story? Uh, with my wife, um, I should have her come in because we, when we have different accounts. So, well, I guess she's not here. So my account is the correct one. That's right? what we're going to get. It's going on the air. So <laughs> uh, let's see. So we met uh, in college. I had started at a community college up in Washington and then moved down to Utah. Um, and we were both going to college. I met her. So it was one of those situations where I just moved down here and went to a student apartment complex and um, found an opening and I moved in with a you know a handful of other guys too many guys in one apartment but anyways and one of them um, had wanted to take a dance class um, and he couldn't we're, we're story I, we we write novels not short stories by the way I know I that in life as well okay I'm gonna cut to it I met her the first week of college and then we got married no I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that sounds like you, a very private school situation. Like, I've heard those stories before. It was arranged, okay? No. Um, she was my roommate's dance partner, but not a boyfriend. He he needed to find a, a, a girl to sign up to, to take the dance class with him so he could get in. Um, and she, my wife loved dance. And so she was like, yeah, I'm down with that. It wouldn't cost her any more since she'd, you know, had all the credits taken anyways. Um, so because of that, I used to see her a lot and she would just come hang out at our apartment. Um, and I had, you know, I would date other girls type stuff. Um, but because of that, we just like, she'd just hang out with us. And um, at one point, um, she, this is where our stories will disagree. She was engaged, right? And, and she'll say, well, you know, I wasn't really engaged. And I'm like, babe, you told me you were engaged back then and you had a ring and everything anyway. So, um, that kind of opened my eyes and I was like, if I don't make a move now, then it's too late, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, for her birthday, uh, her boyfriend slash fiance, whatever, was uh, living out of town and he didn't come up to celebrate birthday. And I was like, I'll take you out, right? And so um, I took her out and made a move 
and uh, a couple weeks later she broke up with me right she broke up with me and and we stayed friends and um about a year and a half I mean, like close friends and I was going through some personal stuff I won't get into but and she she was always there for me like the number one call you know with some of the personal stuff I was going through despite having broken up and all that like we just stayed we just clicked we're really good friends and then a year and a half later it just hit me you know the girl I've been looking for the whole time has been right in front of me and so we'd hung out so much but I would all in that year and a half but I would always tell her I'm like we're not we're not boyfriend girlfriend or anything right so if we go eat or something this is I'm gonna sound like a jerk but I'm like we're, we're not like we're not boyfriend girlfriend so if we're hanging out you're paying your way right so a year and a half later it occurred to me again the girl I've been looking for has been right in front of me the whole time so I call her up I'm like hey let's go let's go on a date and the first thing out of her mouth is are you paying is this for real right it's her way of testing mm -hmm. is, is this a for real thing and and again, we were broke college students, so maybe that's why it was so cheap. But I said, absolutely, I'm paying. And since then, it just yeah, we we knew each other so well, kind of like it, like mm -hmm. with you, you know, we knew each other so well that it just yeah, we just knew. You know, it just made sense. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just kind of waiting awesome. for the right waiting for the right time in our lives for our paths to intersect again and make that decision that we wanted to become each other's path. So anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I and, and I'm like you, I love good love stories. And so that should make an appearance in a book that you need to write that book. That's a good story. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, and, and it's interesting because with any love story, you can always look back and say, what if, you know, mm -hmm. what if I didn't pick up the phone and call her? Yeah. You know, what if it, what if I just, oh, I'll, I'll try that tomorrow. You know, there's so many different what ifs and that's what intrigues me as well, you know, but anyway, so. Um, no, I think that all the time though, because, you know, I was, I was 20 when I got married, like I was 20. So I was a kid, you know, and looking back now at almost 40, I'm going, um, I probably would have made a very different decision knowing now what I know then, knew, you know, what I didn't know then. And so, but then I look at my life now and I think I love, I love our kid and I love our life and I love our farm, you know, all these things that I wouldn't have right now. And so I know that I made the right choice and I took the right path, but you're right. There are so many, what if I had not moved to Tuscaloosa? Yeah. What if I had stayed behind, you know, what, what would my life look what like then? And the guts to write that letter. And yeah, you, you just swallowed it, waiting for the right time to maybe tell you in person or something, and it might not have happened, right? It's too late. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you can get really hung up on what ifs, though. So right? that's also a really yeah. dangerous path, <laughs> right? Which, yes. yeah, and, and maybe again, that's the romantic in me that dwells on that stuff. And sometimes I wonder what what made me like go be, have that inclination to be a little bit more romantic, which. I don't want to categorize myself as, but having written five romance novels, I think you got to be on some level, right? Going back to our theme of music, I think that's so key because music teaches you empathy and it teaches you to, to understand and cope with your emotions, right? Because music is so emotional. And I think that that's a driving force, at least 
for me, again, playing in symphonies. I mean, I remember being a teenager and um, again, playing trumpet, which again means I, I didn't really play in symphonies. I guess <laughs> you just sit there. But the um, I remember uh, the, the well-known song, Jupiter Bringer of Jollity, right? Uh, from the Four Seasons, right? Mm -hmm. And there's this middle interlude where I think it's the violins, not the violas. I think it's the violins. I get to do da 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 like such a well-known piece, right? But I'm hearing it for the first time. And I'm sitting there thinking two things. This is so incredibly beautiful. And I wish I played violin so I could be playing it right now. You know what I mean? And I think that translates to sometimes I want to create something beautiful or compelling or meaningful. And that becomes my driving force of I can create that. I can create that in a novel, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about you You switched genres and you didn't just like kind of switch genres. It's not like you went from fantasy to like thriller or anything like that. You went like fantasy to romance. And not only did you switch genres, but you switched audiences, you know, middle grade to clearly adult. So um, even on a clean romance spectrum. So how did that work for you? Like, did, you know, the, what does the marketing look like? Yeah. What does the process look like? Yeah. I, I lucked out. A lot of my readers came with me, um, which um, was not expected. I thought I'd be starting at square one. But when The Sound of Love, which again was just the first book in that series, and there's now been five, when that released, I was really humbled by the amount of pre-orders, orders, uh, Kindle page reads, everything. I did not expect um, for that to happen. And I knew it was them because I, I will do every now and then um, different appearances at conventions. And um, I remember that first year when The Sound of Love came out, readers come up to me, oh, hey, I love your new series. And it's because they looked at it. They, What else does Kyle write after the ASA trilogy? And they, and they kept on tabs. Newsletters play a big part of that as well, obviously, for the author. Um, and I've been lucky to just see it grow with every novel. My last, my my most recent one, and it's the last in that series, I think. Um, every now and then I get ideas to continue to write. I know there's only five human senses, but still there's other love stories that I mm -hmm. want to tell in the future. So, um, but anyways, the most recent one in that is The Touch of Love. And what's interesting, when we talk genre shifts, the romance uh, you know, romance is so many different subgenre subgenres, and I in, I intentionally made shifts through each book. One of them, A Taste of Love, is more of a rom com, set in New York City, and it's about in a, a female aspiring chef trying to find love in a big city. I mean, that's just I love that idea of a story, and just all the different guys she runs into was just. To me, it was very rom-com-ish, and I get people saying that quite often. And then, but that most recent one, The Touch of Love, is a World War II historical romance. Such a stark change, right? And I've been lucky to see my readers, and I'm so grateful uh, to see them come with me through each one, right? And again, That's I think it's that emotion. 
I think emotion is what draws people in. And they realize, can can this author, whether it's me or someone else, can they actually tell a story that gets me on an emotional level? And that emotion could be more than just romance, right? It could be entertainment, yeah. right? It could be mystery. It could be being scared and a mystery or something. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Well, and I think that, you know, even if the main topic is, you know, romance, their love story, you're looking at how to navigate life in general, you know, your characters navigating life, you know, how are they navigating life changes or circumstances or relationships with other people, you know, so there's a whole lot more to it than just love story when you're writing a book like that. So, um, but looking at, so your series is mostly connected. It, they're not connected by storyline then. They're connected they by like the over, are they? Okay. They actually are. Yeah. Okay. It, it was, uh, yeah. Um, I, I try not, yeah. I don't want to give too much away. But sure. the, so if you read them in a certain order, the order of release dates. So it starts with, and I just call them sound, sight, taste, yeah, yeah, aroma, yeah. touch in that order. Sound, sight, taste, aroma, touch. If you read them in that order, the later books have characters from the earlier books, okay. which are background characters, right? That, and for example, um, in The Side of Love, yeah, I think it's The Side of Love. In, in, in actually multiple later books, a song from The Sound of Love will be playing on the radio, right? You know what I mean? So it's in the same universe. But the most important thing is that last book is The Touch of Love. And that's the World War II historical romance. You can actually read it first. You can read any of these books in any order, right? They're all standalone. But when you read The Touch of Love, it's a dual timeline, right? Which I assume most people know, right? Dual timeline. The first timeline is set in modern day and is about a woman uh, Katie, who is trying to find out her grandfather's mysterious past as he is on his deathbed. And that takes her, as she finds different clues and is pointed to different uh, people from his past, takes her all throughout the U.S. And that is what intersects with the other characters from the other four books, right? Okay. Now, the the second timeline in that is set in World War II during World War II in Poland and moves to Germany, right? As you're reading, obviously you're sitting there saying, this has got to be her grandfather. That isn't the point of the book. It's, it, it is his story and what she learns from it and how her story mirrors and ties in to her grandfather's story, which I think is the most uh, compelling part of that book. But anyways, yeah, so they do intersect okay they are interconnected i was trying to figure, i was like how do you have historical fiction that maybe they're not related and they're just related yeah. by the census but no that's really cool that's not that's a really interesting hmm. and by I, the way the touch of love is and that's that world war ii historical romance that that is actually i i mentioned earlier that there's another book that includes music my music and that's it um nice. which if, if you got a minute i think it's an interesting story at least for me it is yeah so do it sure so I wrote this uh, song back when I was in college. So yeah, oh my gosh, I'm dating myself. It's been like 20 years, right? And um, I had this idea, then I was like 20, 18, 19, I don't know. And um, I had this idea to write a song that is a love letter 
from a guy that's at war back to his love at home. And so it starts off, dear Catherine, time flies by and you're still far away. I write this letter, but words can't put on a page how much I feel, right? And um, the lyrics of that it, it are really a letter, dear Catherine. And then the very last line is, P.S. Did I mention I love you, right? And that's the name of the song, P.S. Did I mention I love you? That stuck with me. And when I knew the, the war story that I wanted to write, that that song kept popping back up in my mind and ended up being the story that I wanted to write. And so um, one of the characters in that book ends up writing a song for that for the main couple. And it is P.S. Did I mention I love you that song? So it ties back in just That's interesting so how like 18, 20 years later, I'm using oh, something from earlier as my motivation you know that's amazing and see that that goes to show you because I have talked to authors who are like man it's taken me 10 years you know and I just don't think it's good enough and I'm like well either hold on to it or publish it because clearly you know 10 years yeah it might have been a work in progress or you're just not sure about it but it's going to fit somewhere it's there for somebody and so like that that song just hopping into the, oh that's so perfect I love when that works out like that I love the song too I you know I, I I won't pretend I'm a great musician. You know, it's you call him a singer songwriter, and I'm like, well, the singer part, eh, okay, all right, whatever. Songwriting, I love doing, and and that one just has stuck with me over the years. Music can be the same way. Most, most yeah. creative arts, you know, can transcend time. Right? Do you still listen to any yeah. songs from back when you're in like high school and stuff? Oh, heck yes. Like I have yeah. playlists that are like, you know, high school car rides and stuff like that. I have CDs. Yeah. I have yeah. CDs from high school. Yeah. Just saying. Because <laughs> it takes you back somewhere. The memories associated them, but it, and the emotion in there too. Anyways, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I love that. Has it been hard to market romance books as a guy? Because you know, you're rare. Um, You know, if if it has been, I've been naive to it. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I say that because more, I get the very common reaction of, oh, you're a guy that writes romance. So it's all got to be kind of that, I don't know what the right word is, the, the you know, the hot. The smut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. we'll use smut. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be that. And then people just assume things about you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um and no I just love a good I just love a good love story you know yeah I and that's that's a good thing I mean it's nice that it's not been a problem um because that is and unfortunately like when you say I write romance immediately people go to oh well that's gonna be interesting you know yeah. the little chili peppers and I'm like not mine sorry like mine are pretty they're sweet. They're super sweet. And, yeah. you know, you might get like on the verge of sizzle, but that's, that's where it stops because there's, you know, that pulls from the story. A lot of times I think that that takes a, a reader's attention out of the story and then they are there for a moment instead of the story. And so, um, but yeah, there's, there's a, a stigma that comes with writing romance. And so I was just wondering, because yeah. I figured it was probably even bigger for guys who wrote it. Yeah. And the stigma goes either way, right? I mean, it could yeah. be, oh, you're a guy and you write Again, we'll use smut, right? You smut. Okay, I know what type of guy you are. You yeah. know what I mean? 
there's real no depth to you, right? People make those snap judgments or it can go the other way of, wait, you're a guy that writes romance. You doing that just to try and get girls. And it's like, well, no, because I am happily married. Like, <laughs> yeah. Got that covered, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I just, I, th I think love drives so many things. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of yeah. other strong emotions, fear. And, I, but to me, love can be the most compelling um, type of story. So not all of my stuff will be romance moving forward. Um, but yeah, I, I love writing a good romance. So you're going to genre switch again then? I don't know. Well, the, <laughs> the one I'm writing right now is a different kind of love story. Um, and I'm not saying a lot about it because I don't want to build any type of yeah. expectations within myself. Um, it's it's not going to be one of something that fits in this series. It's going to be, I think, a standalone, very meaningful um, story that is about love, um, but a very different kind of love. So, I love it. No, I've got several books in different genres that I'm working on and I keep going yeah. back and forth. You know, do I, do I send this, do I publish this under my actual name? Do I pick a pin name? You know, how is that oh. going to work? Because, you know, once you've got an audience expecting one thing, but clearly you can make it work. Well, and, and let me tell you why. And it's very, it's a very selfish reason why. Okay. Um, one day I'm going to be 90 right? And I'm going to have grandkids or maybe great grandkids, right? And it's, again, there's a very selfish thing, but it's something I pass on. I don't know my grandparents. I didn't know them while they were living. I don't know my great grandparents, right? Um, but if there's something like this to pass on, you know, not to teach something, but just give a window into who, you know, who who I was, I guess. It's a very selfish thing. I'm not afraid to put my name uh, by any of my works. Even if it sucks, it's something that I created that I liked, right? I, I, do, I do this, I write because I want to. And because if I don't, I'll go crazy. But also, you know, like it is my work. And so I'm, I'm not afraid to put my name on something. And, and that goes into why I'm not afraid of genre switch as well. I don't write for any marketability reason, right? Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I just don't. I write for myself and anything that other people get from it is just a cherry on top and I appreciate it. So. Anyway. Oh yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And that's, and that's good, you know, and, and I guess if you know your why, if your goal is to, you know, establish a market and, and yeah. to become more, you know, well-known for this work or for this work and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Have you, have you ever um, showed up to a concert? Do you go to many concerts? Not anymore, but yes, not I anymore. used to. Yeah. You ever go to a concert and you're like, you know what? I love the music, but I can tell the artist just isn't really, they're just doing it because we're another stop on the tour. Yes. I don't want anybody to ever think that about any of my novels. He did this just to try and cash in, right? Like that's that's not me. And so that's why, uh, yeah, I, I'm not afraid to genre switch. If the, the story is intriguing to me, then I'll do it. If not, I just won't do it, you know? Oh. That's fair. No, that's perfectly fair. And I think that's great. And yes, I've actually picked up books where I'm like, 
I realized that you wrote this book because there was an expectation put on you by somebody somewhere and you had to spit something out. Like you can tell when the author yeah. is not completely in their totally. story. Totally. Same thing with music, same thing. Well, yeah, with a lot of artistic mediums. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah. You can tell when you're winging it. All right. So we are coming to the point of the show where we're just going to open floor it. You can, you pick the topic and we run with it for as long as we run with it. Okay. I want to know when and why you started writing. <laughs> um, can I, can I tell you why I asked the question real quick? Okay. You're an author. As an author, perhaps you're like me. I get a lot, a lot of people that tell me, oh, I have a book I want to write one day, right? A lot of people from all ages. And I always say, I will read it, it once you're done with the first draft. I won't read a first chapter, first two chapters. And I've only ever had one person finish and come back. I'm talking that's in my close sphere, right? Mm -hmm. Not just fans that reach out. To me, a lot of people think they want to write but a lot of people don't get down that first sentence or first paragraph. So I want to know when you started and why. Um, now, specifically, just writing in general has always been something that I've done. Like I was always a journaler. I was always, um, I wrote, um, I entered contests for writing and speech writing and that kind of thing, won my contest. And so I, writing has just always been a thing that I've loved doing. Um, I mean, there's some <clears throat> really bad poetry up in my attic from when I was in like middle school, like that will never see the light of day, but it's there because I loved, I just put whatever was in my head, I would put it on paper. And, um, but honestly, it just never occurred to me because even when I would take those tests that said, what should I be? Like I went through a career center. They were like, here's whatever aptitude test. And it'll tell you what you're supposed to be with your life. You know, the skills that you have And actor, writer, and teacher were all at the top three of the list every time I would take those tests. And so, um, but I always, you know, those are the jobs that people are like, that happens to like one in a million. That's not something you can make a career out of. That's not something that could ever like be long-term. Um, so, you know, if you're going to write, it's for fun. And so I just never pursued it, um, but I always, even up until um, two years ago when I did sit down and write my first book, like I was blogging or I was, you know, writing uh, research papers and essays and stuff like that. And so I've always been a writer, but my first book came about because I had a dream one night um, and I woke up from it and I thought, well, I don't know how it ended. Like I woke up before the dream ended and I thought I need to go write that out because it was a very, it was a story that I was just really into and I didn't want to wake up. And, but I had to. And so I went and started writing. And the next thing I knew I had like four chapters, what would be considered four chapters worth of information in a book. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to keep writing. Like I'm going to start at the beginning and not just finish the dream, but we're going to do the whole shebang and see how it goes. Um, and then I finished that book and I thought, but now I need to know what happens to these characters after. And so it's the next book showed up. So it's just been, and then all of a sudden the floodgates were opened, but it was like a matter of, I just had to sit down and do it. And once I did it, it was like, now I can't stop. Okay. And okay, I've got so many follow up. Okay, because okay, this is interesting stuff. Um, first off, which book was it? Did did you release that book where you wrote several chapters and which one? Yes, it's my. It was my first one, and it's called No Matter What. Okay, that's No Matter What. Okay, and then is the one that's a follow up? Is that The Lost and Found? Correct. Okay. And those have the same characters, or a lot of the same characters. Some of them, yes. Some of them that made it through the first book are in the second book. Okay, is 
um, are you done with those characters or are there others that follow the loss? Of I have a third one like that's been rolling around in my head um, that I've put some words on paper that follow one of the very, very first characters that kind of comes up in the first book. And I just haven't decided if I want to, because to me, like there's a happily ever after and we're good. And, you know, do I want to open that can of worms again? I don't know. I haven't decided, but everybody's like, you need a book three. I need to know. I need to know because of the epilogue in book two. And so I'm like, we'll see. Okay. That's another question I had for you. And that's why I'm asking if you're going to continue with the characters or not, because okay. after I finished, well, after I finished writing a lot of my books, I, I'm either, I have one of two very strong things. I'm either very excited for the next one and ready to move on, or there's a state of like grief because I've lost friends. I used, mm -hmm. and it sounds so weird, unless you've been an author and in this, there's a grief because you don't get to hang yeah. out with those people that you spent so much time with in their world in creating and maybe it means i'm over empathetic which is probably true but i'll say this after i finished the touch of love that world war ii one i love that book it's everything i ever wanted to write i got extremely depressed after finishing that interesting because i felt like i was losing something that brought me so much joy and it was being around those characters and their story and so i'm asking you when when you finish writing a book, what type of things do you go through? So after book two, um, like I said, I, I really feel like they've they've all kind of settled. And so book three would probably, while it might refer back to the others, I think it would take on a, a life of its own and kind of maybe spin off. I'm not sure. But it's not one that just made me go, ooh, because I had started when the... Um, so when I finished No Matter What and sent it to an editor and we were working through it, she was like, it's going to take me, you know, three months in order. And I was like, okay, well, in those three months, I had already started book two because I was like, I need to know what happens. Because at the end of book one, I was like, I can't leave it like this. There's so much more that we need to know. And there was a story there that I just needed to kind of work through. Um, but then once book two was done and I sent that one to the editor, I had already started on fall when you're ready and those characters like and I am a character driven writer like I yeah. develop my characters I develop the wazoo out of my characters before they ever meet a page okay. because that's that's okay. what starts my process is a character pops into my head and I'm like now what's your story because I love yeah. people watching I love people in general just yeah. I, I love people and so characters to me are people like they're not fake yeah. characters they're people and I so agree. um well you have yeah, to yeah right like, I mean, if they're not real to you, how can you expect someone else? Again, it's yeah. just that idea to me. Okay, we have that in common. That's cool. Yes. And so yeah. my characters are, you know, in Fall When You're Ready, I was like, okay, now I have gotten through half of a first draft. And I was like, now I need to know how to wrap it. Well, actually, I needed to know how to connect the beginning and the end because I'm a pantser. I pants the heck out of my writing. And so like, I knew how it started and I knew how it ended. But that middle part, I was like, I have no idea how to connect it to. So that's what I had to work on. And um, so with Fall When You're Ready, I just, I was, I was in it. I was already ready to get to that one. Now, now that that one is done, I've already started writing, literally started writing um, books two and three based on characters from that book that you kind of meet in the background. And mm -hmm. so I don't know if I ever stop long enough to, to grieve my characters. Now, 
I do grieve them when I lose them because the sure. one there is a massive loss and like I cried every time I read it I cry when I think about yeah. it like <laughs> still when you reread it that's the best yes that best. means it, was it shows you emotional <laughs> yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I love that yeah that's mm-hmm. so cool I've only ever been really hard after that last one after the touch of love because <gasps> it was everything I, I yeah. wanted to write and it was also twice as long as my well it was how's that go 50 percent longer than my previous longest written book so I stayed in it longer than I had any other story and I'm sure everybody that knew me was like what's up with Kyle like (laughs) but that that was it that's why I was so depressed because I finished telling a story that I loved and anyway Oh, I, that's that, and and that's a good thing though. And and you can't, I don't think that as an author you can expect something that deep of a connection through all of your books. I, I like, I could yeah. not imagine connect. Could you imagine connecting that deeply with every book you ever write, and then having to grieve like that all the time? Like, right. I don't think I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not healthy at some point, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, are you a pantser or an outliner? Do you plan all of your books, or do no. they just happen to you? No, yeah. So, and I, I was picking up. I was going to ask you the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I can tell that you're you're a planner, right? Yes and no. Parts okay, of it, yes. Most yeah, of it, yeah. no. Talk, talk like, I'm a, more. I'm a. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm a pantser at heart. Like I have a page or a document. It's like multiple pages long, where I write notes down and I'll refer back to it. But I don't plan. I cannot sit there and be like, this chapter is about this. This chapter is about that. I can't do that. Um, it's wherever the characters take me. Yes. My experiences. So going back to those people that say, oh, I, I know what I want to write. And here's a book. But they never actually start. Um, There's probably an overgeneralization. It totally is. But a lot of times those people have spent so much time planning the book that they don't actually start to write. They want to plan. Anyway, so for me, I am, I'll know point A, which is what intrigues me. I'll have a pretty good idea of point Z. And then I'll have um, a couple points along the way, you know, point G and T and Q or whatever. And and uh, I totally just didn't do the alphabet in order. But anyways, no, but that's how it works. It's like flashbulbs here, here, that's and here. That's yeah. exactly, I thought you did the it all I, <laughs> I hope to hit. Um, and But it's the idea, and it's the overarching idea that intrigues me. I very seldomly write things down unless there is a need. Like, for example, the last book in my Asa trilogy is tying the trilogy and all these different things in a fantasy, you know, the, the, those fantasy storylines matter a ton. And so I, I wrote down certain things I need to tie up and everything. But to me, what I enjoy most is going into a chapter, having an idea of where I want it to be, um, and then coming out saying, wow, while I was writing, it took me somewhere I did not expect, and I think it was somewhere better. And that's what I love. You know what I mean? Giving myself flexibility and room to go where the story naturally goes as you're telling it. So no, I don't yes. I don't I don't plan a ton. Yeah, no, I, I can't even it plays like a movie in my head. And so I just write yeah. what the scene is in my head when it's playing out. Um I was so, reaching oh, over and digging. Well, hold on. This. 
that that's my next question is as you oh. write are, do you visualize things or no yes yeah. like it I will see it before I ever write it and then I'm like okay yeah. now how do I put that into words <laughs> yeah totally Oh, that's so me. I love that. So I was reaching for it and I knocked stuff off my desk when I did it. But like, this wow. is one of my note pages, how I keep up with my timelines. I'm like, so this happened here. Like, this is how organized my writing is. You just never, it's on the scrap of paper that I wrote my grocery list and menu on for a week. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll, that's how organized. You know, because we, we got families and kids and so there's other needs in life. It, as I'm finishing writing, if something's pulling me away before I can finish thought, I'll jot down some notes about where things are going, just so I don't forget. But my favorite thing is when I come back and I don't even look at those notes and I start to write. And then I look at my notes and I either hit them or I did something to me that, again, was was better anyway. So, yeah. Every time. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I could sit, we could sit here and talk all morning, but I know that you have a life and I know that I have another interview in a few hours and there are a lot of things that have to happen between now and then. So, because <laughs> this is fantastic and we should definitely do this again. And I have an idea, which I'll talk to you about afterward. Um, but how can listeners connect with you and your work? Yeah, thanks for asking. So um, my novels are all on Amazon. Again, I use my own name, Kyle Shoup. For some reason, maybe it's just a Utah thing. Nobody can spell my last name right. It's really easy, but people don't hear in Utah. It's just S-H-O-O-P, right? Uh, so find them on Amazon. They're, you know, in, all in paperback. They're also ebook as well. The first novel in each of those series is also on audio, uh, audiobook. So Asa and the Animal Kingdom is on audiobook. The Sound of Love is on audiobook. Again, though, that romance series, people can read in any order that they would like. Um, Instagram, I'm under uh, writer Kyle is my handle. Uh, Facebook, I think it's author author Kyle Shoup. Um, really, though, I my favorite thing is I get emails from people because I put my email address in my books that say, yeah, just such kind of things. I really appreciate it, guys. Read to readers. You have no idea how much your kind yes. words motivate people to keep reading, uh, to keep writing. So uh, my email is kyleshoop at gmail. So. Perfect. And all of that will be in the show notes so that they can just go and they can click one button and it'll take you wherever you can find Kyle online and to send him an email and all of that. Um, can I say one okay. more thing? I'm sorry. Absolutely. Because I have music available online too. Oh, yeah. And if they just search for Kyle Shoop, they're not going to find it. Because the artist name, and I chose to do this from The Sound of Love, he his moniker he goes by is Guy Plus Guitar, and that's plus sign, right? Guy Plus Guitar. And so I decided to release all my own music, both the soundtrack for The Sound of Love and my other music on Spotify and other places under that moniker of Guy Plus Guitar. Which people could criticize me, say, I thought you don't mind putting your own name by stuff. And that's totally true. I just use that from the book. So it's a little different. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is a different, I think it's a good ploy. I like it though. No, it's smart. Are you ready for your big question? You have to answer the big question before I let you go. Okay. What is the one piece of advice or encouragement you want listeners to walk away with if they hear nothing else? Uh, life is meaning. The words you use. The moments you experience have 
real meaning, right? Um, and just remember that. I think as an author, that's something I try and convey in not all my novels, but a lot of them. A lot of my novels are, that you, you know, the, the middle grade is to have fun and entertain, but life is meaning and just enjoy it and try and make the most of the moments that you got. So. Oh, that's good. I like ending on a good deep note. That's fantastic. Yeah. So thank you so much for hanging out and um, just spending the morning just talking about books and writing. Clearly, we both are very passionate about it. And so that was really yeah. fun. Oh, likewise. Thanks so much. You're great to talk to and I appreciate it. Anytime. Happy to come oh, back. Thanks.